Robot Robot, tell me who is the happiest in the land. Robots assembling cars. Robots sorting cucumbers according to the shape. Robots instead of cashiers at Tesco. Robot drivers. Their history reaches almost one years, 100 years back. Robots working in conditions that are unpleasant for people. Heat, cold, bad air. I don't think this surprises any of us anymore. But what about a robot lawyer, robot teacher, robot writer, painter? Um, not of rooms, but of pictures. Robot musicians, composers, or a robot who is in charge of you as an employee, a kind of HR robot. All of this is not the future, but has already been the present for a few years. Further improvement of algorithms, neural networks that are already improving themselves, no sweat. The question is, how do we as a people come to terms with it? What will we resign ourselves to in time and what will we keep as ours? Because since in the beginning of this year, I have been a bit irritated by all the motivations, email articles, blog of the all, all the variations people within personal development. So I have personally, in a nonsense manner, resigned myself to something similar. Although I would fit well into such a setup and perhaps sell a few uh, of my own products and services so nice and early in the air, but instead I have prepared a slightly delayed contemplative blog about our future hand-in-hand -hand with robots. Of course, I'm a programmer nor a data analyst, so my considerations are more about my wonder and admiration for this field and even my fear of the unknown as a professional who helps people with their professional develop development. Last October, I held workshop at the Top Vision Training and Development Forum on the theme of personal branding, employees, and work with Career Diary, which was useful for this work. We talk about why every individual should take responsibility for their own development and work on themselves together with HR. Uh, this should not be done passively, somehow automatically waiting for what HR will come up with for you and then simply sometimes possibly consuming it. At a time when companies are fighting over the attention of capable people, uh, this is a slightly daring thought. Won't be a little counterproductive to want something more from people than the work itself, especially when the other companies can excel in the presentations, especially towards talented graduates by offering football, free coffee, etc. I don't want to sound stupid, but nice to have things and services. It's now a bit of fashion to say everything you will be able to give, provide, enable. And in opposition to that, I'm suddenly saying the work on your personal vision is yours. Not your duty, but some, uh, something that no one else will do for you and, uh, and it's necessary to put a chunk of yourself, a chunk of your energy. It's not only about the power of selling yourself somehow, but simply trying to understand yourself. Where, I, where am I coming from and where am I headed? What makes me happy? What am I good at? What potential can I develop? 
Then one of the discussions was stirred up by a man who said, All psychology is non-essential pseudoscience based on false premises and the bare methodology of the majority of its research. This has a negative impact on HR too, so I think it's time to transfer to full automate, uh, automation and simply tune the quality of the algorithms, make HR more IT. That stuck in my mind so deeply that I may be recalling it in a slightly distorted uh, way, but the sentiment was very anti-human and pro-robot. I thought about it for a long time. As you can see, it's all on my mind mother, uh, a month later. So I told myself that I would find more information about it for this blog and try to arrange my thoughts on this topic, which are often uh, quite contradictory. One thing that seems undeniable is that you can't stop progress. So, uh, although my initial reaction was negative, of course, defense mechanism uh, denial, it's probably obvious that the time of smashing uh, the machines that are taking our job is far behind us and we can honestly admit that it was uh, futile and that there is still more than inner work although in comparison with the period of the in uh, industrial re revolution it's of a very different nature. When we look into the history of automation into why people have always driven to perfect machines we will probably answer that the main motivation has simply been to make work easier. Or as my colleague Pavel says, laziness is the motor of progress. With individual innovators, we find that the motivation is the satisfaction gained from the process of discovery and improvement itself. A deeper realization um, has undeniably shifted us forward in the area of health, high life expectancy, average life expectancy, include the accessibility of food in many, uh, many areas of the world, regardless of season, etc. What interests me personally, however, is our work, our world of work, and the way we, learn, we earn a living, especially in the so-called first and second worlds. Okay. So, in these words, we don't exactly work from sunrise to sunset 24-7 anymore. We have free weekends, at least in theory. So, yes, there has been some progress here. But on the other hand, what about the tens and hundreds of team emails every day? What about overtime, including weekends? Which for many people are obligatory optional, so that we can manage the amount of work we have to do. Instead of sore back, uh, so sore backs from the shoveling, we have sore backs from slumping in front of the computer. Why is it, despite of, uh, despite all our techni technical progress, that a four four hour work day or a four day work week is still a distant distant ideal rather than a reality for most people? Personally, I'm not afraid that robots will take our jobs and that will have nothing to do. You can find many articles and videos on this topic. I have chosen, for example, a video on the theme Why we will never run out of the jobs from Tim O'Reilly. Hundreds of new positions will arise. For example, 
our long-term drivers, whether managers, surgeons with, uh, with specialization in memory enhancement, vertical farmers, well-being consultants for seniors, etc. The question I'm constantly asking myself is, are our lives at work really much easier and thus better and happier? Again, passing over the basic modern health improvement, ensuring that we are not dying and mass from the plot, I am looking for questions and answers in the work sphere. That is, I am approximately dealing with the top three levels of Maslow pyramid of needs. Personally, technologically, and technology enables me uh, to do nearly two yearly quarters of work from Latin America, which for which I am extremely happy. Sure. On the other hand, I do uh, I don't see that our Euro-American society is more satisfied than uh, than uh, than the one there, and I am certainly I am certainly not claiming the opposite. The big cities in Latin America have a similar rhythm and way of life to those in Europe, including hipster quarters. Nevertheless, the countryside is uh, noticeably slower and much poorer. What do I observe there? A lot of, of those kind of people from Europe, the US, and other countries similar in style and standard of life often paradoxically escaping precisely because of the calmer lifestyle in the so-called third world countries. And a lot of smart and ambitious people from those countries head to countries of the first and second world in order to do their business better, faster or differently. So that's how it is. It's probably of human course that everyone longs for something that they don't have. And here I'm looping back a bit. Uh, if you Google the term happiest, happiness, you will find various studies. Uh, that construct ranking of what make us what make us happy. One study presents, uh, for example, sex, alcohol, volunteering, caring for children, music, time with friends, hobbies. Otherwise, children, partner, work that fulfills us, physical activity. But here it obviously depends on the methodology of the survey. So you can find X numbers of articles with various results. In my opinion, though, the biggest expert on the topic of happiness is probably uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, an American psychologist with Hungarian roots, whose name I have not been able to remember for several years, by the way. He is the author of one of the most recognized books on this topic, Flow. He has been, he has been examining this theme for over 40 years and many of us know his graph describing when people universally across cultures, professions, ages, education and material wealth attain the feeling of happiness. What a sample of thousand people, uh, his teams figured out that it's exactly uh, at a point during our activity of any kind when we are using a maximum of our current knowledge and ability, but we still have a space to progress a little. There is a challenge inside. So then we have a desire to continue creating, developing, writing, painting, training, producing, working with the people, etc. And in this process and in this state, 
We usually forget about time and about, for example, if our neck is sore. So if I have completed a week-long course on coding, I'm near zero on the skill, uh, skills axis, and I immediately need to program a new web page very high on the challenge axis, then this will probably bring me more depression than happiness and joy. You can freely apply this sort, this sport. You can freely apply this to sport, art, law, craft, science, working with people, whatever. There must be a balanced state on both axes. For example, if I already built five perfect, perfect wooden houses and my neighbor would like me to build him a bird feeder, then I will not feel exactly joy why I am pounding nails into this birdhouse. And now back to the robots. People will obviously continue to perfect this technology. And I can imagine that these variations, uh, sorry, and that these visionaries and super technologically skilled people doing it, doing it are really experiencing the flow. This then begs the question of, uh, of if and when we, the end users of the above mentioned technology, will also experience the flow. I personally think that we'll simply be getting an improved shovel. And if we are not able to say, how to optimally use the shovel uh, so that it brings us feeling of happiness, then I wonder why we are driving its development at such a furious rate. Such paradoxes naturally arise. You are probably familiar with them when I am wearing a smartwatch. In the future, it will probably be something directly under the skin or in our brain. So that I can, uh, I can know if I am sleeping well. Without this watch, I have the feeling that I cannot have a high quality training or I look at my mobile phone in the morning to find out how the weather is instead of opening the window. Or I ask Siri what I should eat today if I have decided to start a diet. Will all of this make our work easier in terms of quality of life or happiness gained. I have the feeling that we often use these tools primarily so that we can do more things faster and better, but we often forget why and what we really want for ourselves and we merely remain inside the tool, the, uh, the tool process instead of forming a vision, a goal and a purpose. Of course, I also do many of the things I mentioned. For example, I look at my mobile to find out the better instead of going out onto the balcony. And I like the technology. I like trying the new things. And I think that one must have is to educate ourselves in this area. Thanks to, uh, for example, Czech NGO Czechitas, for example, who try to teach that IT, it's, it's not only for IT guys but it's necessary necessity for everyone these days. On the other hand, when I try one application for completing uh, tasks, the really nice design self-development app Fabulous available on download on, uh, on Android. And the app tells me that I can't forget to drink water. At one moment, I actually sat down. It's as if I shouldn't listen to my body like I wouldn't know if I'm thirsty.
And this is where I'm headed with this. Uh, do we really want to give up our ability, not always absolutely perfect, but definitely trainable to listen to our bodies or intuition? Do we always uh, want to deny ourselves the development of certain skills only because robots will be doing it for us in the future anyway? Is what, what, uh, what's going to make us really happier? Of course, I can again use a racializing argumentation like plenty of people don't know how to do that, have no time, have some health limitations, and that's why these applications are super. Okay, I got it. Uh, I'm not argu arguing with that. I'm just think that it's a good, uh, it's a, uh, it is good to ask ourselves these questions. Not simply to resign our power of critical thinking and generally don't resign any thinking at all. When I look at these areas where HR and human development people operate ex uh, expecting that a robot will save them in a recruitment and rotation of employees, I'm afraid they are in for a disappointment. But it could certainly help in many part, uh, partial activities, sure. For example, simplifying paperwork and maybe speeding up test evaluation in this way saving all the money, actually. Most likely, if my position is evaluated as non-automated non -automated for the time of time being, my final work will not decrease and the robot will probably not make me happier in my work. And trends of using artificial intelligence and machine learning have been running full speed in HR for a long time. In the Czech Republic, automation and connecting IT has been taken by uh, has been taken up by Matej Matolin, for example, or Josef Kadlec. Maybe you've already done a video. Uh, maybe you've already done a video interview where a living person was not sitting on the opposite uh, on the opposite end, but a robot which uh, asked you and you answered were recorded and evaluated. Or perhaps you have been subjected to testing before having this, this kind of interview without even knowing it. Thanks to analysis of your behavior, which is trace, uh, traceable on the internet, thanks to text, text analysis, recently mainly aimed at unstructured uh, data as well, language analysis uh, for use in some open NLP libraries or sentiment analysis. Thanks to these and other methods, companies, but these, uh, these uh, are also used by schools, governments and anybody else, can information not only about current behavior of app users, clients, employees, business partners, citizens, students, but there is an effort to accept predictions for a, giving uh, for a given person from this data, of course, predicted behavior. Estimations of future purchase, estimated estimation, uh, estimates about when you will give notice, even before you know it yourself, realization predictions, insurance fraud before it even happens, predictions of students leaving school early, uh, early the probability of success for given positions where they hire you. All of this is already certainly happening. For example, the predictions for the early leaving of students from their 
studies at private universities was based on the monitoring of various various changes in the behavior of students, including the number of copied papers, visits to the school canteen, email communication with the school, economic level in the region where students originate from, etc. Fantastic! So the academic office could preventively speak with the students with risk behavior and thus lower the number of students that end their students, aka lowering the drop in cash flow for the school. That sounds great, mainly for the leadership of the school responsible for the budget, sure. But doesn't this remind you of something? The film Minority Report took apart this topic quite well in 2002, actually. And what is the difference between the film and reality? Well, I guess it would be that today we are much closer to the film than in 2002. We have many times more data thanks to our behavior connected with the, with the, with the internet in every way, through Google, purchases, use of social media, etc. Uh, for example, we can make more, uh, we can, we can make much more precise predictions, and so this fear has becoming much more attractive for business as well as for political games, influencing election results or hybrid wars using the variations of uh, using various uh, various misinformation campaigns, among uh, other tools. But it is necessary to realize that if we create predictive models of behavior for individuals of groups, there are still predictions coming from prior behavior. We can always obviously improve the precision of the predicted behavior, but we are still working with the probability with a certain degree of unsurety. I don't want to get into this mathematical topic too much because it has been too long since my state exam in in statistics, but I would again, bring it down to the level of personal development. On the other hand, I pose a question about the quality of data about me, which is automatically evaluated, and the quality of the interpretation of the data. For example, how much do sentiment analysts consider irony and trolling, for example? As I'm looking for a source of information for this, the analysts of social networks are dealing with this problem. But what about the international changes in the personal profile on the social networks among the precise, precisely those, those users who specific, specifically uh, don't want to leave clearly legib- uh, legible tracks behind? What about the fact that a huge amount of people's behavior depends on the context? And by setting them in a new context, we can reveal as yet undeveloped potential. How How is an HR robot going to deal with this? Yes, AI, artificial intelligence, of course, will continue to teach itself through its behavior. But what, matter, what matters is the direction it takes. What will be its assignment? Choosing the best colleague who, according to the analysis test predictions, Will do the, will do the job the best. In time, it will probably come to selecting a better robot for the team with a smaller range of error and with a better prediction of the behavior, or not? I I really don't know. And so it goes on. 
Machines are not only here for making our work easier. They are becoming our colleagues, partners with their own decision-making mechanisms and ability to learn. And the question is, what do we as a people still not want to resign ourselves uh, to in our lives? I personally think that if I gradually resign myself to a number of base uh, of basal uh, told operation, such a thinking about what I feel, what I want from life, what makes me happy, what's important for me, such as my values, what makes me love one's happy, how to orient myself in a new environment, in a new culture. Uh, the more I gradually find myself in the totally passive role of a slightly dull technological user, technology user, I gradually become the shovel of my former shovel. And controlling the passive, unthinking crowd, this is this is clearly attractive for any kind of extreme extremist. It's probably not attractive for a robot, but probably natural, as it as op, uh, opposed to us will continue to improve its own behavior. And it doesn't immediately have to be uh, have to be about Planet of the Apes, in the robot version. Again. I am just imagining a completely normal situation, just any kind of overbearing care, whether of children or seniors, when as a direct result of the extreme care, we fall into a passive role over the time, like a dull human accepting whatever is served to him. And the field of a field is ready for manipulation. As you probably already know, or have at least seen in a couple of these links at the, at the in, uh, introduction. Uh, robots are not just machines automatically repeating our pre-programmed actions. Uh, thanks to neutral, neural networks and their mutual connections, they learn unbelievably quick by themselves and create other contexts that the creators of the algorithms don't understand yet. For example, the robots gradually created their own faster language. Robots are already able to do things that we long assume to be only our human domain, such as producing creative art and hiring, firing the right employees. A robot will simply, objectively, always be smarter or smarter in a different way, maybe faster, more precise. So it's necessary to find our place in the society of the future. And this is exactly what I think that it's important not to give up my own thinking, my ability to crit uh, critically analyze the situation and information in my surrounding, my ability to listen to my body, my ability to think, which is fun, where, is, uh, where in life we want to head, my ability to listen to others, spend time outside, spend time with people who give me a good energy. Learning new things, trying and finding our flow and looking for what brings us, as, uh, us joy. No test or in the better case robot will do this for us or it will be do it and by that will slightly but put blinders on our eyes if we take it as in as a fact and get rid of our own voluntary ability to discover new horizons 
supporting people's critical thinking, uh, their overview of themselves, their situation, and the world around them. This is why I went freelance as a career coach from the beginning, giving myself the mission, this vision. And it really, really, it really pleases me to still be fulfilling the vision. This is more likely my flaw, actually, where the tools that I create for children and adults or discussion at workshops and, uh, uh, and or during the consultations. So we'll see how big a challenge it will be for me personally in my life as well in working with people. I wish you all a lovely spring. Petra Drahnivská, care designer. Uh, you can you can read uh, the written version of this blog on my LinkedIn or on my website caredesigner.com.